friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This season, we are talking about the book of Psalms and the steadfast love of God. We've been exploring the intricacies of God's covenant love for His people and learning what it means to pour out our hearts to Him. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining Aaron and me in conversation today are Ruth Killish and Katie Stockton. And Ruth, would you let us know a little bit about how you and Katie know one another? Yeah, we actually met through the young adults at First Press, and we've been friends ever since. Katie has been just a huge asset to our young adult group. She has a lot of gifts, but one thing I really admire is just her gift to throw an awesome party. So <laughs> she, <laughs> she she organized a 20s themed party for my birthday last year, and big bonus, she has a karaoke machine. So we had a blast. Yeah, I bring it around every once in a while too to other things. <laughs> That's awesome. A, a, a portable karaoke machine. Portable, it has. And portable disco-like lights, too. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with remotes. So ah, that's amazing. Very, very official. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was a 20s-themed party? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was my 29th Boring. birthday, so yeah, last, like last year of my year. 20s. <laughs> it was great. It was so fun. That so is fun. awesome. All right, so, yeah. But you just got to tell me, what's a 20s song that you played on Oh, we No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay. We, it was just whatever you <laughs> wanted to play. It was just, you know, pop music or... I think someone sang like an opera song, (laughs) you know, whatever you wanted, because we just use Spotify to sing along to. Okay. Yeah. I I was going to be really impressed if you had dug back to some 20 songs and had that on karaoke. Billie Holiday. (laughs) I wish. Oh, that's fun. All right. Well, we're going to move into our first things first question, and I'm going to ask it, and then y'all are going to answer it and also give a little bit more of an introduction of yourself. So the question was, what was your very first Instagram post? And Ruth, you can kick us off. Yeah. So my name is Ruth. I'm 29 years old. I'm originally from Germany, but I've been in America for a decade now. So I'm pretty Americanized by now. I work as a nurse at doctors. So my first Instagram post, I had to go back and look. I jumped on the Instagram train a little later than most people did. I just got an Instagram like two years ago when I moved back to Augusta from the Midwest. So my first post was just a picture of my porch and my walking chairs to just really indulge in just the the Southern living I had. And it's one of my favorite places. I love my porch. That's great. How many rocking chairs do you have on your porch? Only two. That's it. That's perfect. No more room for any more. So, (laughs) you know, my plants take up all all the other rooms, so... I bet it was good southern weather to take a picture of your porch. Oh, it was perfect. Coming from the I now Midwest. got a bug and, you know, ferns, everything. It's it's very southern looking. Oh, I like cute. it. Good. Good, good. What about you, Katie? Um, yeah, so I'm Katie. I am 27. I moved to Augusta about a year and a half ago from Arkansas. I'm not from there. Originally from Florida. Um, and I am a pharmacist at the Veterans Hospital. Um, I was going to talk about my hobbies, which include throwing theme parties. Um, and I paint a little bit. And I recently started a tap dancing class. I don't teach it. I just attend. And for me, my first Instagram post, I have it pulled up. It was from 2012. And I was visiting colleges. And it was the college I attended. And it just says, Samford, dot, 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 future college, dot, dot, dot. I hope so. Smiley face. So that is um, my first Instagram post. And then I ended up going there, which is really awesome. And so, it panned out. That yeah, was cool. it did. <laughs> Love that. I definitely want to go to one of these theme parties. Yeah. Sounds super fun. Oh, I like I like to host people over to my house once a month. It's oh, just she's so great. 
It's so fun. She feeds you. I love yeah. that. She's got decorations up. It's is it always a awesome. theme? What's Not about? always, but like... A lot of times. Sometimes <laughs> it is. It's like even like in the summer, I'll do like summer themes or like a fall themed or one of my friends is having a birthday party and we're doing a Taylor Swift theme party. Oh, wow. So, so fun. Yeah, just all sorts of... Murder mystery. Murder party. mystery. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it whatever kind of goes with the season or what people want for like their birthdays and things. Were your parents into it or how did you no. get into it? Okay. Um, it was like my mom loves to host, but not not really theme parties. I really maybe it came through being like in a sorority in college oh, I see. or something. Yes. Makes sense. I didn't plan the social events, but I was I felt like always I was involved in like the painting of the banners for them and stuff. Nice. Yeah. So cute. Well, my, I do not have my own. Well, I do. I shouldn't say that. I think I have my own Instagram account still out there, but the it's been years since I've gotten on it. So who knows what people think of me? I don't even know. <laughs> I think there's three posts total. Oh boy. Right. Hilarious. So it's not that hard to remember. The, the only reason I get on Instagram now is, and my oldest will laugh, but I'm on his Instagram account. His has to be on my phone. That was the prerequisite for him getting it a couple of years back. And He's just been kind and it's still on my phone. So I, I perused through his account, but I don't have my own. And the picture I posted was just shows I don't know anything about Instagram, but it was super, super hot that day. And so I thought, ooh, I just got Instagram. And I was in my car and I took a picture, like a selfie in the rear view mirror of me and the temperature gauge. And I said <laughs> something about whatever. And my, my boys were like, mom. That is so weird to post on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm not very good at this. So it's really funny. I think that I have is. three total. I love that your son follows the women's ministry and likes the um, podcast <laughs> oh, posts. That's amazing. It's supporting his little mama. That's yeah. really cute. Aww. Well, that's not him, as you know. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cat. And that's what the I always have to is remember out. is when I scroll around, I forget I'm on his account. And oh, so if I do so like something, funny. it would be sort oh, of random to be like, why did Creed decide he liked that? <laughs> That's funny. So, anyway, well, Instagram does does give us a little window into what we want the world to see about us, right? And today we're going to talk about what it is that God wants the world to see about him. And primarily, it's his salvation. There's a verse in this psalm that says, The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. The psalm that we're talking about today is Psalm 98. And I would encourage you, if you're listening and you haven't had a chance yet to read the psalm for yourself, to hit the pause button, read it now, because you get much more out of our conversation if you have read and taken that psalm in for yourself. So Psalm 98 is a psalm that celebrates God's salvation. And in this psalm, we're going to see that God works his salvation by his own holy might. He works it justly in view of the world and in accordance with his steadfast love and faithfulness to his covenant people. And the psalm begins with the exhortation to sing a new song. So, Katie, we need your karaoke machine. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and why does it say new song? If you if you flip back and you look at Psalm 40 verses one through three. There's a song there. It helps us understand why this song is described as new. It's because before our salvation in Psalm 40 and verses one through three, it talks about a cry for deliverance. It's in the pit. It's um, suck into misery and woe. And before salvation, our song is the age old cry of all humanity. It's a cry for deliverance from death and from the pit of destruction. 
And the psalmist has waited patiently in Psalm 40 for deliverance and God hears him. He rescues him. And one of the things that he does is he puts a new song in his mouth, a song of praise to God. New songs of praise are appropriate for new rescues and fresh manifestations of grace. And this is something that David Mathis says. He's the executive editor for Desiring God website. And he says, as long as God is gracious towards us, as long as he keeps showing us his power, and wowing us with his works, it is fitting that we not just sing old songs inspired by past grace, but also that we sing new songs about his ever streaming, never ceasing praise. And as believers in Christ, we know that our salvation from sin and the penalty of death, it happens the moment we are connected by faith to the finished work of Jesus on our behalf. And while we're fully saved from the penalty of sin, we are being saved from the power of sin. And one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. And so we have a new song, that new song of salvation that is new every day because that new manifestations of that saving grace show up in our lives every day and we have new songs to sing. So I would love it if y'all would describe a time recently or in your past when you found yourself crying out for God's salvation, when your song wasn't a happy song, when it was a sad song or a hard song. And you can talk about, if you want to, your initial cry for salvation, or you can talk about what his continual salvation looks like in your life now. Yeah, so um, I can start us off. So I'm, I'm like thinking about just a cry for salvation. Um, I thought of actually like a time recently that I would have gone through. Um, Ruth was actually in the Bible study where I talked about it and I was like, I had this like, you know, very like sweet moment with the Lord after um, feeling just like very down and like depressed. So um, I had a couple weeks ago, I had just a really rough week work-wise, so just with like busyness, lots of events and like needing to meet expectations that no one puts on me other than myself. And I just think that's, I mean, ultimately that's something I struggle with, have struggled with for a while is making myself God and making myself my own savior. And it kind of all came to a head on a Sunday morning and I woke up late for church, missed my alarm and was just really disappointed in myself and felt like I did not have the like capacity and compassion to be there for people um, and like really struggled with engaging that morning, even just in Sunday school and with people and just honestly felt the like nudging of the Holy Spirit to like be still and like listen. But I was like, I can do it. I can push through. And, you know, I ended up leaving and I cried my entire way home <laughs> that, that from church that day um, and just like crying out for the Lord's salvation to like relieve me from the burden that I place on myself and allow the Lord to like take hold of that, of like my own selfishness and my own control in my life. So that was a time that happened recently. That's well expressed. I know that feeling too, yeah. just that self-centered self-reliance. Yeah. Thinking it's strength, but finding out it's not. It's not. And strength comes from even just like the letting go of it and like, yeah, letting, like surrendering it to the Lord. Yeah. Getting to that place where you feel so utterly overwhelmed and yes. aware of your yeah, limits. Absolutely. And struggling. Yeah. Yeah. I was also thinking about a time just recently. I was going on one of those really angry prayer walks on the canal. I don't know if you guys ever have them, but <laughs> yeah, they happen for quite frequently for me. And I just once again was convicted by the Lord of my people-pleasing nature of my selfishness and just how that is so destructive to me and to other people around me. And 
I remember just being so frustrated telling him that I just, I want him to take it away. I want him to change that in me, but I can't, I, I can't do it myself. And just what Katie was saying too, trying to do it myself, trying to be my own God and my own savior. And it, it left me feeling defeated and angry. Mm. Do you talk out loud on your angry walks on the canal? No, I, I know. I was, yeah, maybe I should, but it would scare people off. I think, uh, yeah, so. I'm, I'm sort of teasing so, you, yeah. but I do love to walk and pray. And yeah. sometimes I wonder what my face is reflecting. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think it was pretty for me on that day, for yeah. sure. Ruth, I love that you're talking about being angry, I think partly at your own sin, it sounds like, yeah. but also maybe angry at God that there's not a deliverance yet. And as that Psalm, Psalm 98 that we're looking at opens up, it's saying, sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things. And for us to acknowledge what's marvelous, we've had to known the oppression of sin and yeah. death. And one thing is I reflect on something I've cried out for salvation from and experienced some deliverance, a lot of deliverance, actually, is just freedom from my dad's death. Like it, this happened when I was 22. So I was still pretty young. Um, and it is something that I was just not prepared to grieve, didn't have the tools in my emotional toolkit. And I don't even know at that point, I knew that I was angry at God. I was angry at what death had taken from me um, and just being able to even years later experience some deliverance and it, it really was just being able to admit that I was angry with mm -hmm. God, that I was angry about um, what death had taken from me and just having that freedom to be honest with the Lord yeah. um, and for him to open my eyes just in an act of mercy and for me to be able to see his marvelous ways, his goodness, his beauty, his promise of justice mm -hmm. to make things all right in the end, his promise of hope, experience his presence and his love. So I think that's the thing that is beautiful about the Lord is that we can cry out for salvation mm -hmm. and he answers that cry. Yes. So tell us about a time, um, Katie and Ruth, about when the Lord has answered your cry for salvation. So for me, I think even in just what I was experiencing a couple weeks ago, just tangibly seeing like the Lord heal my heart um, is like a way he answered it. I ended up going home that day and actually texted Ruth and I said, she asked me to do something. And I said, Hey, I just don't have the capacity to, to be, to be there this afternoon. I just have to say no and like spend time with the Lord, whatever that looked like, like treat it more like a Sabbath um, and make that like a spiritual practice. So I just cleared my schedule, put my phone away, turned on some worship music, sat outside and just like, Honestly, I think I read a psalm for an hour, which is a lot for just like a couple, you know, maybe like 20 verses and just like really studied it and dwelled on it and just felt like a spiritual like weight lifted off my shoulder that like knowing that I am not enough, that the Lord had answered that call. And then even after that, I took a nap and then I was, I felt like very like renewed and rejuvenated. And I prayed, I like wrote out my prayers, which is a practice I don't always do. Um, and so I just felt like it was a good, it was just very like healing. And then I was able to go hang out with friends that night, go to church. And like, I was able to just worship freely. So I felt like it was a, just a, a very like sweet turnaround of like me actually listening to the voice of the Lord instead of listening to my own like wants and desires for control over my time and like heeding to what he was telling me and seeing him even just save me from like the pit of being overwhelmed and what it felt like a pit of despair, even though it might've just been, you know, life 
I love that. Oh, I like how relational it is because mm-hmm. I'm thinking to take that time and to do those disciplines mm-hmm. you're talking about, we could see it as I did A, B, and C, mm-hmm. and then I felt better. And and you did do those things, and they're mm-hmm. great things. And but they're such relationally connecting things. Yeah. You took the relational means of grace in order to come into the Lord's presence and let Him speak to you in a tender way. And I yeah. even just think sometimes my relationship with my husband, we just get into a group, yeah. we're just taking care of business, and. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed taking care of business with him and we were taking care of business and we we're doing things for the kids and other people and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But there is something so rejuvenating mm-hmm. when I'm not taking mm-hmm. care of business with him, mm-hmm. when I am just sitting across from him, eating mm-hmm. lunch someplace fun, taking mm-hmm. a bike ride together or whatever, just fully having space to enjoy yeah. the unique love relationship we have. And I, I just think it's wonderful that the Lord is relationally intimate with us. I mean, that's, yeah pretty hard to comprehend and it's so sweet to experience yeah i was also just thinking of that recent time when i was talking about the angry prayer walk um just me uh yelling out to him just i just don't know how to take away this sin or how to change myself and the lord said clearly you can't you gotta let me do it so he brought me to second corinthians 12 9 where it talks about um paul's thorn it's a pretty well-known passage it says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness and i have such a hard time just acknowledging my limitations and my human finitude and just the fact that i cannot do it all but i'm also not supposed to do it all so i i recently stumbled upon this quote by kelly capick in his book you're only human would definitely recommend um that said we must rediscover that being dependent creatures is a constructive gift and not a deficiency mm. um which just really hit me and truth be told i keep on trying to save myself i keep on trying to be my own savior uh i think kathy keller always says the human default mode of the heart is self-salvation i can definitely relate to that um and rightly, Paul actually points out that the Lord is glorified in my weakness and that that is a good thing. Uh, he's the only one who can take away my sin and who can truly save me. Ruth, that's so good. Just thinking about how do we really believe that his power is made great in our weakness? Right. Do we truly believe that we are marvelous or that he is marvelous? Right. And yeah, truth be told, my greatness is not really all that great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think what you're expressing is he welcomes us into his marvelous deeds. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's it has enough substance to sing about for a long time. Yes. You know, it was yeah, you can sing that. your praises yes. for a little bit and then it kind of yeah. falls off and you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're face to face with all the things that you uh, all your limitations, yeah. like you said. And really, I mean, if you don't have. I just think if I if I didn't really believe, like you're saying, Aaron, that there is a God whose strength actually manifests itself, manifests itself in my weakness, then I really there's nothing else for me in weakness and limitation except disappointment yeah. and fear and all those sorts of things. And so what a testimony to the, his existence mm-hmm. and who he is to think that when you actually recognize that limit, you rejoice. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's something yeah. different. And so it does, it leads us to praise. It leads us in this Psalm, it says to sing a song. And I'm, I'm wondering for y'all, there's that personal joy and I don't often sing a new song to myself per se. <laughs> um, but there is that 
celebration that we do sometimes internally or maybe on a walk on the canal or whatever. But then there is the singing that we do corporately. And sometimes it's literally corporate worship, singing together. And sometimes it's the singing of, in a sense of um, putting out the words of our testimony, of our witness, in similar ways to what you're doing right now of encouraging one another with the new song of, this is what he did last week when mm-hmm. I was struggling with this. Yeah. And so how do y'all find that either literal corporate worship, the singing of songs together, or the continued witness to one another encourages mm-hmm. you within the body and not just by yourself? I think COVID really just taught me the importance of corporate worship. Uh, mm-hmm. Worshiping alone is definitely important, just like you said, Amber. And don't get me wrong, I love jamming out in my car mm-hmm. um, and just do a great worship song. But Worshiping together it just reminds us that we are in the body of Christ. Uh, we are not alone. And it's just, it's, it's so sweet. Sometimes I find myself looking around on Sunday mornings um, and just seeing how we all worship together at church, acknowledging together uh, as one body that he is Christ. He's our Lord of Lords. And I think we just, in that way, put him in his righteous place again. Mm-hmm. He should be on the throne and not me. So mm-hmm. I need it. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good, Ruth. Um, going off that, I always look around on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, too. I just love just seeing how like people just express worship differently. Um, I love watching like families worship, mm-hmm. just like oftentimes just the struggle with like, how do I worship and still have this child hanging off of me? <laughs> um, and just like acknowledging, I just I just love to see like a family worship because I that just like just represents the body of Christ and that all are welcome. So for me, when I think about worship or corporate worship, I like am often reminded like this is just a tiny piece of like what heaven is going to look like one mm. day and just like the hope that I have in heaven. And so I don't know, for me, I feel like worship, especially corporately, just feels it's like a way to be free um, and unrestrained. And it also is just a like physical reminder because even if I don't want to be there, I'm going to participate in worship and like the words I'm saying have meaning and they're not held void. So anything I say like is speaking truth to myself because it's scripture. Yeah, I definitely value the corporate aspect. I think so often we need each other mm-hmm. as now we're talking about to carry us through um, hard seasons to like we struggle with one another and um, we rejoice with one another. And mm-hmm. so I think that is such a big piece of what the body of Christ means. So Sunday morning obviously is a, a highlight of that corporate worship. But honestly, I think I've learned to see something like sitting around this table together as corporate worship, mm-hmm. that we are spurring one another on, that we are sharpening one another. We're speaking words of life and truth over one another. And so I, um, I, obviously Sunday morning is a, a big piece of that. Just having that shared body of hymns, that shared body of information, like the sermons and stuff that we can wrestle uh, through God's word together. I think that is a huge piece of corporate worship, but just anytime that the body is together, that we are participating in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think somebody was pointing this out to me recently that the word majesty in this song, in this psalm, speaks to things that only the Lord can do. They're majestic in that way. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm in corporate worship, 
or when I'm hearing y'all speak to what he's done and it's so outside of what you could have Mm -hmm. done for yourself or when we're singing things and we're learning things are so outside of anything I could come up with or um, actualize in and of myself, it expands my view. And so you think you, you, you have that view of worship within yourself, which is so important. Of course, that experience of worship, that's singular. We, we love that. And then we also have that corporate, it expands mm-hmm. out and it deepens and then expands out beyond first prez, right. And into churches mm-hmm. in Augusta and, mm-hmm. and then into the larger body expanding out in ripples all the way through the world, all the way through mm-hmm. history, all the way, all the way, all the mm-hmm. way until yeah. you get that final picture that we read about in Revelation five starts in verse nine. I'm going to read this. And they sang those in heaven sang, saying, you, Jesus, are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice, and they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So you just think, wow, what a vast display (laughs) of worship that is. Yeah, we hear that John is writing this new song that means revelation given to him by Jesus. And so when we're looking at Psalm 98, like how do you ha- hear the echoes um, from Revelation to Psalm 98 in that new song that deep in your joy and salvation comes through the death and res- resurrection of Christ? Uh, I think for me, this passage just especially reminds me of the cost of salvation. So it mm-hmm. talks about the lamb that was slain, right? So mm-hmm. Jesus is that lamb that was slain, slain for my sin. And I'm reminded of that great cost that he took. He is the one deserving of blessing, honor, glory, and might, like it says in verse 13 of that psalm. And just when I look at the last verse of Psalm 98, uh, it says he will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. I can actually acknowledge this is good news now. Um mm-hmm. Because of what Christ did for me on the cross, I am judged as one covered in his righteousness. And that gives me reason to praise even more. That's such a good point, Ruth, because we have this psalm that is is singing these songs of yeah. praise and talking about the majestic works of the Lord. And it culminates in what mm-hmm. you just said, his judgment and that he mm-hmm. judge righteous, yeah. judges righteously and with equity. And it can make you sort of pause and be like, right. Really? That's what I'm singing about, judgment. <laughs> and yeah, that's a scary word. <laughs> yeah. So you you put pulling that together mm-hmm. and that the judgment that comes to us now comes to us through Christ mm-hmm. and the price that he paid. So appreciate you drawing that out. Yeah, that's really good, Ruth. Um so I think I connected these just seeing I think it pointed to me for me, like I just saw like the breadth of like God's impact on the earth, just the all nations you know, all creatures, all tongues bowing down and praising him and just seeing like the beauty that is the body of Christ so much more than just like beyond myself or like my church, but just the global church um, throughout history. And I think that 
that just like deepens my understanding because I'm like, he did not just come to save me in this time, but he came to save the world in the past and the future. And I just kind of stand there in awe and like, or sit sit here in awe of just how like large of an impact his salvation has or how like wide reaching that is. So that's kind of what I walk away with. And I think what you're saying is both that we can see that it is marvelous because we have been counted righteous because of his justice, like he's absorbed the cost, like you were saying, Ruth, that's such a a good thing that we can not just feel the judgment that our sin is due, but that he has indeed called us righteous. That is worth singing about. Yeah, go back to David Mathis again and that quote he had, and he finished it off by saying that what we're praising the Lord for, these new songs of salvation, they're not just true in this age, but for eternity. And so he makes the point that God will never cease to inspire awe in us, even in heaven, about the breadth and depth and height of who he is and his mind-boggling love for us in Christ. Like in heaven for eternity, we keep seeing singing new songs because you just don't ever plumb the depth. So he says forever, God will continue to show us the immeasurable, love that, immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. That comes from Ephesians 2 verse 7. And he does this for his glory and for our joy and for eternity, we get to keep singing new songs. Ruth and Katie, thank you for talking with Amber and me today. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests, check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Prize Augusta Women. We'd love for you to join us again next week. Listen in as you decorate for your fall theme party or as you prayer walk through the crunchy fall leaves. We'll be sitting down with Judy Downs and Patty Doring to talk about our joy and salvation. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in His wings. When comforts are declining, He grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.